What's up, guys? I'm glad you're here. My name is Drake, and you're listening to the Double Click Podcast by Holy Hill Media. Today, I'm joined with Brent Sines, owner of Splash Construction, RF2 Acquisitions, and financial consultant for Postuma Insurance in Indiana. This conversation is amazing. Good friend of mine. We're discussing the tips for young entrepreneurs, scaling a business, and why a lot of businesses fail. Hope you'll enjoy it. All right, man. Let's tell the audience who you are, man, and, and what do you do? Yeah, my name is Brent Sines. I'm owner of Splash Construction. I'm an independent agent with Post of Insurance and Investment and a registered financial consultant with them. I also own a real estate business, RF2 Acquisitions, where we basically we buy, buy and hold real estate. Uh, we do some flips, but mainly buy and hold at this point. So how'd you get started in this, man? You and I have had a lot of conversations about a lot of different, just business conversations, really, life conversations and all the mix. You know, you, you uh, I'd say you're famous for saying there really is no balance to find in it at all. It's really, it's really about the consistency. It's about figuring out what works for you in your life and, and, and making it work, especially when you have a family, wife, kids. So I'm just curious, man, like, how did you get started? And you have a story, man. It's It's been an evolution for you becoming an entrepreneur. So how did you get started in business? And have you always known that you were an entrepreneur? I don't think I knew that until looking back. At one point, I looked back, you know, I, when, I, when I was young, I was into uh, dirt bikes, four-wheelers, quads, racing, that type of thing, did that all through high school. At that point, I wanted to own a, a dirt bike or a motorcycle shop, okay. you know? Didn't give it too much thought. Then I started getting into construction a little bit. Well, I worked in a motorcycle shop and uh, sound, found out it wasn't quite as exciting as I thought it might be. <laughs> and so, I mean, I still enjoyed it, don't get me wrong, but then I started getting into construction and uh, then I, you know, getting out of high school, did some construction work and had buddies that owned a construction company. And so that's what I want to do, I own a construction business. So I went to college for that, learned estimating and materials and things like that. And then my parents started signs excavating. And so I left college to start a division of, of that business doing concrete work. Worked there for a couple of years. I uh, found out working with families is a struggle. <laughs> and <ain't> so, wrong. <laughs> uh, so got to where we were, you know, disagreeing a lot, my brothers and I. And so I just went my own way and went to the pool business, actually, because I had some concrete skills and, and I'd worked there for a short while one summer in college. And so I went back into that business as basically a supervisor or foreman uh, running their in-ground division. So learned a lot of things there, everything from, you know, electrical, plumbing, concrete, you name it, with, with, within ground pools, above ground pools, that type of thing. Uh, he also taught me a lot about sales, and I started getting the sales side of things uh, with, with the in-grounds. Kind of hit a ceiling there financially, and I was working anywhere from 70 to 90-hour weeks all summer long. So no, no family life at all. They didn't know me from basically April through October, you know. So I, I knew I wanted something more than, again, financial ceiling I'd hit there. I had a couple pivot points when I was working there. I had a week I had 92 hours on my time card and another five hours in sales. 92? So I had 97. 97 altogether? Yeah. And, it, and it, it, looking back, that was a pivotal point for me because the check obviously was great because it was mainly overtime. But I also looked at that and thought that's not going to buy the yacht, you know. <laughs> that's right. and, and so I knew I had to move on and do something different. I had an opportunity then to get into the into the insurance business. And so I took a leap of faith. I left a full-time steady paycheck with full benefits for a complete 100% commission job with no benefits. Made that work, grew that business, and then my ADD started kicking in and I uh, just got 
kind of got bored and, and had the opportunity to get back into pool business, building above ground pools for the company I used to work for. So that's where I started Splash Construction. That was kind of my just a side weekend evening business, you know, and then COVID hit and it just erupted. It took off and we were, we were doing 15 to 20 pools a year prior to that. And then when COVID hit, I, I didn't think we were going to be doing any cause I thought everything was going to collapse. We ended up going to 37 pools that year and then 50 the following year. And then 50 again last year with a ton of potential that we lost last year cause I just couldn't get to them. So, so, so that's where that business is at and how it kind of took off. Somewhere in there, I started, I studied, I've been studying successful people for a long time, uh, personal development, that type of thing. And I started noticing that a ton of them were in real estate. So I started doing more research into that back in, this would have been like 16, 17. The pool business was just kind of, it was a seasonal th- gig, wasn't really that busy. And so I, I thought, well, it's like 70% of the 1% in this country are investing in real estate. So I thought, well, I need to get invested in real estate if I'm, you know, again, not don't need to reinvent the wheel, just just do what they did. You yeah, know? they already did it. Yeah. yeah. And so that's when I started to, I started to get educated on real estate, how to purchase it, how to, you know, all the nuts and bolts of it. And that's when I started RF2 acquisitions kind of as a retirement project. In fact, RF2 is retirement fund number two. <laughs> okay. I was going to uh, ask you that. There it yeah, is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The splash was supposed to be to, you know, fund our retirement and, and things like that. And then, and so I'm like, well, let's, let's do something else. RF2. <laughs> yeah. And so now I'm at a point where, you know, things are, have grown and, and I'm, I'm at full capacity, so I'm, I'm going to stop starting new stuff <laughs> for a while. <laughs> well, that I mean, that honestly leads into my next question, man. Like, running one business is a task of itself, and a lot of people just, they're not cut from the cloth. It just, it's just not in, it's not in their cards, and it's not anything to them. It's just that, because to be honest with you, man, if we were all entrepreneurs, we would all be broke, right? Right. And you you could probably speak to this just as well as anybody but those employees are really what keeps the the ship sailing and so um, no knock to anybody but doing it not only once is difficult but for you three times what's it like owning multiple business and you know to many of our previous conversations before today if you'd go back, would you do it the same way? Uh, to answer your question of what it's like, I mean, it's a lot of things. It's it's rewarding. It's exciting. It's also chaotic. It's exhausting. It's all-consuming. And, and so would I recommend it? Not to start off with, Not maybe not the way I did it. I was able to do it because the businesses I'm in are somewhat seasonal. Okay, okay. The pool business, it, it's three months. And, and back when it was, when I first started that, you know, it was, like I said, 15 to 17 pools, no big deal. We'd knock them out on the weekends, and, and then that was done. And, I, you know, I had my insurance business, which I was growing. But then I was kind of twiddling my thumbs, you know. And, and I, I'm not one to sit still, so i got to be moving. And, and that's when I got into the real estate. And so then we started buying, buying real estate, and I'd rehab it myself to save the money to make the numbers work. And, and that was going good. We were picking up about one a year. Well, you know, then the pool business takes off. And then we buy four houses last year. And, and, and so – now it, it's it's that chaotic portion, you know. Yeah. So I think it, it all has to do with your capability and your capacity uh, as to to what you should take on. Would I have been better to, to focus on on growing one or two? I don't I don't know. I mean I don't regret anything. It, it's it's been good to us and and uh, but you have to have uh, some thick skin when it comes to to long days and and be willing to to make that sacrifice. You know. Yeah, that's that's well said, man. Thick skin, that's something that. 
uh, I talk to with my little brothers about all the time. They're interested in going into, you know, owning their own businesses and they have, you know, some a general idea at least of what they want to do. And I always say that it's important to have thick skin and a soft heart because right. Right. you got to be able to do the people thing, but you also be, have to be able to be resilient in the face of controversy, whether that is, in, you know, relationally, whether that's financially, on and on and on. And so it's interesting, man. It's it's an interesting thing to be able to do it for three different businesses. And when you say it's seasonal, sure, they, they, they would be operating seasonal, but there's always something to do, right? There's taxes, come tax season for three different businesses. Um, you're still thinking forward, thinking about marketing, thinking about hiring for the summer. There's always something going on. So I applaud you for balancing all of that. Yeah. And I, like I said, it when you start it, you don't know how big it's going to get, yeah. and and that that ignorance is probably bliss in a way because you you may not you know there's a lot of things I've done where I've thought I wouldn't have done that again had I known how much work it was, mm. and so I'm fortunate that I didn't know mm. because uh, it allowed me or you know the courage to jump into it again. We're growing our our portfolio, and so. Now it's getting to the point where now I need to start to master other people's time and, and utilize more employees and things like that, which is a skill I, I'm struggling to learn, but I'm learning. I'm, I'm forced to learn, you For know, sure. you know, yeah. j- just work. And, and and I could I could keep my head afloat. And now as the businesses grow, I'm starting to realize that's limiting. I can only do so much that way. And so, again, it's forcing me out of my comfort zone into hiring and, and uh, putting teams together. Yeah. And the only limited resource that we have is time. Right. We can make more money. We can, you know, we can get more equipment, this, that, and the other. We can start new businesses. But one thing that will always be limited is time. So when, when it comes down to, you know, you mentioned earlier, I think this was actually a job, not even owning your own business. But when you work in 97 hours total, you've probably seen a lot of those, those types of weeks as a business owner, especially in the transition of seasons between the businesses. And so, you know, you also mentioned you're not sure if you'd do it again if you knew what it really took. I want to I want to kind of uh, pivot a second to refer to the younger generation. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, cultural entrepreneurship right now. It's it's created you know we on social media through podcasts and YouTube we've we've really created this stigma of entrepreneurship is like you know it's sexy that's how you get rich it's cool it's this that and the other and when I look at that and I used to be you know it used to appeal to me too but now I'm like that is like two percent of the actual experience and that's only if you succeed right Mm -hmm. and so what's going on in the world right now where we're making again owning a business to be attractive is it just a boom in social media you think an opportunity to maybe sell a course or a book or whatever why do you think there's this boom in entrepreneurship and is that a good or bad thing i think for the right people it's a great thing i i mean i i personally love entrepreneurship okay so when i when i don't take it the wrong way. Okay. I, I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't change anything as far as, you know, I, I couldn't work for somebody else. I, I learned this about myself. Yeah. And so I think it's a good thing for the right people. Now for the wrong people, it, it'll, it'll reveal itself quickly. Uh, you know, if, if you're not the right person for entrepreneurship, you, you just won't survive because of what it takes. I yeah. mean, any sane person wouldn't get involved. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, say that one again, my goodness. <laughs> And, and so, I mean, it's got its highs. Don't get me wrong. The highs are really high. The lows are really low. You know, is your, your nine to five job working for somebody else is going to be somewhere in the middle typically. And so if you can weather the lows and, and uh, then the highs are incredible. Yeah. So I think it's a great thing. I think the awareness is great that it's an option. You know, I think there for years, kids were just taught to go to school and get a good job. 
and you know look for yeah. good benefits and and that i think was stems back from the henry ford andrew carnegie era where we need workers so this is what you're you know we'll we'll donate money to your library here yeah. if you push this curriculum and, and put this into kids heads and and then that was bred into you know go to school get a good job and so now i think it's great that that kids are aware that that's an opportunity and, and i think social media and, and all that have, has glorified it which is good again mm -hmm. it, it's not a bad bad route it's just the right person is what it's going to require that's true you know one of, and i'd completely agree with that the thing i will say is that i believe most of what's shown on social media that appears to be the life of an entrepreneur it's only two percent though there's 98 percent that nobody wants to put on youtube there's 98 percent that nobody wants to talk about on a podcast there's 98 percent that nobody wants to sell into a book right because it's not sexy it's not attractive it's not fun it is the grueling long hours it's the the relationship with your wife about limiting your time at work it's 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 the the the, the late night phone calls it's the sunday meetings it's there's so much to it and i do feel like you know it's, it should be said that most businesses fail within the first year mm -hmm. to two years, and then even more fail within five. And typically, if you make it to five, you're like, okay, well, then we're not doing too bad, right? But the idea is that's five years of your life that you have to give to be able to get to what you're seeing on social media. And that's what nobody's saying, if not more than five years. Right. Well, And I, I think that that's why a lot of people do fail is because they don't, they're unaware of that. You know that they see that two percent and they say, "I want that." You know, it's it's in everything though. If you look at sports, true, we, we watch the true. ball game and we watch the the highlight reels and and, and uh, you know things like that. We're not seeing the practices, the weightlifting, the you know what goes into to that. Look at your entertainers, your singers, and stuff like that. We see them on stage and everyone's screaming their name, but we don't see them hours and hours and hours on that guitar at night. You know, and no one's watching, mm -hmm. and and so. The reason that those people are on stage is because they spent that time when no one was watching. The reason that, that we're watching these athletes is because, you know, they spent that time when no one was watching. They earned it. And it's the same thing for, I think, with entrepreneurship. You might see a business owner who's driving a nice car and lives in a nice house, and you say, wow, you know, how lucky he is. You didn't see all those nights. You didn't see those nights he laid awake because he's wondering, was that business decision the right one or not? Or is this going to sink our family? You're not seeing any of that. So I think if you're going to go into the the down the avenue of entrepreneurship, you just have to be aware that those you're going to run into these storms, and if you're aware of them, then, then you can prepare for them. You can weather those, and and it's you know it doesn't take you down. Not not all of my business, you know, when when I started the insurance business, again it was 100 percent commission, and so we had ups and downs, but I knew from from studying successful people, enough of them had said you're going to have those, you know, you're going to have those bad times and, and so you just have to stay in long enough get through those bad times to you know and, and so i knew that so when we hit them i'm like okay they said this was coming i'm not prepared for it yeah i know i just need to grind harder i need to work harder i need to focus more if you don't know those bad times are coming then you take that as a sign from the universe that this isn't meant for you yeah and you go back you retreat yeah this is harder than than what i thought it'd be i went into it i knew it was going to be hard and so i'm like okay that's what they said it'd be and as long that's what we have to explain to, in my opinion, to the to the young people coming up, it's going to be brutal. Okay, it's re worth it. It's rewarding. It, it's definitely worth it. But you have to know going into it 
you know, watch out for this, watch out for this, this is coming. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you made a bunch of money in your first year. Don't go blowing it all. Yeah. Hang on to a little bit of that, put a little bit of that in the savings. Taxes. <laughs> you know, taxes. But but even next year might be a downturn in the economy. You have to be able to weather that for the, you know, yeah. and, and and utilize that downturn as a way to weed out your, your weak competition and not as this isn't didn't happen to me. This is happening for me. That's I good. just have to be able to weather this and then when that when the economy kicks back in, I'll be the only one in town doing this business. You That's know? good. So things like that. But again, if you're unaware, then you're going to say, "Oh, this is tough. I'm out of here." Yeah. Or if you're not the right person, yeah. if you don't have the tenacity, you're going to say, "Oh, I'm going to go back to to that steady paycheck." You know, I knew it was there every Friday. Yeah. I don't know if my paycheck's going to be there next week. You know. Yeah. And you had somebody that was able to tell you about that and to prepare you for that. And I also think naturally you probably have some of that resilience in your bones. But I think you're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. We need to have that conversation with young entrepreneurs that there there is going to be a passion which you are going to doubt your decision. And it's probably going to come more often than you think. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in the beginning. Yeah. You know, and, and, and again, that information's out there if you're listening to the right people, if you're following the right people. The thing that you have today is you have you know, the, the YouTube and all the social media and stuff like that, you can follow, if you're following true entrepreneurs who are being honest, like, you know, like we're doing here today, then, then you'll know, you know, if you're just following some, somebody who's standing in front of a Ferrari or somebody else's jet acting like it's theirs, then, you know, you're, you're not getting the, the truth from them. Yeah. You, they're trying to sell you something. A thousand percent. And I think we've seen a lot of that in this generation. And to be honest with you, I mean, when we all look at it up front before we can smell the authenticity is not there, it's attractive. It's cool. Who doesn't want to drive a Lamborghini when they're 17 years old? Who doesn't want the mansion? Who doesn't want, you know, to be able to have a private jet and go all over the world whenever they want? I mean, it's appealing. It truly is. But that does, that is the 1% of the 1%. And that's after all the work. So I also think, too, there's something to be said about those things are achievable. People are doing that and they are living that life. With that though, that kind of stuff feels a lot better when you've worked for it, when you've earned it, when you've put in the time. And so one of the things that I wanted to ask you in that putting in the time working for it was an early development that you had mentioned when you were younger about selling. I want to know how much that sales experience has helped you in your businesses. Personally, uh, looking back, I'd say sales is one of the number one skills anybody should learn, I, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. I mean, if you want your kids to clean their bedroom, it's sales. You want your <laughs> wife, you know, you, you see the hot girl at the restaurant or the bar, and you want her her number. That's sales. Yeah. Every single thing you do in life is sales, yeah. pretty much, to, to, to advance it all. I mean, you can sit on a couch and watch TV, and there's no sales involved. Don't get me wrong. But if you want to advance at all, you know, you want a better deal on that truck you're buying or, or whatever, it's all sales. And so you might as well learn it early yeah. and, and become good at it. It's going to save you money. It's going to, you're going to grow. You're going to advance in life quicker. You'll have better relationships, in my opinion. And so, yeah, I, I'd, I'd say if you don't know where to start, pick up some sales courses. Yeah, that's so good, man. You're, you're so right. I guess I never really thought in a way that it does affect Knowing sales is really a conscious awareness of conversation and, you know, being able to relate to a human being, being able to figure out what they want and figure out what you want. Where does it intersect? You know what I mean? And being able to add value to somebody. So I want to ask you this, too. What do you think that that consistent factor in good salespeople is? 
I think years ago it was technique. Okay. You know, you had 50 different closes, the Benjamin Franklin clothes and this close and that close. I think that's shifted. People have sniffed out the that out of the sales process. To me, it's sitting on the same side of the table as, as your customer or whoever you're trying to sell, whether, you know, again, your wife, your kid, on whatever. Yeah, you explain know? that a little bit. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm trying to to help you and me come to the same conclusion. Gotcha. Okay? If I'm trying to... I'm not selling you an insurance policy, all right? I'm asking, do you have a need for an insurance policy? And if so, let's find you the, the best one that fits your need. Mm, providing a solution. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not selling you anything. I'm, I'm helping you along the way. Gotcha. Okay, you need this. Or if you don't, then, then have a great day. I'm going to find somebody who does need this. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to, you know, if it's my kid to clean his room, I'm going to convince you why you want to live better. Mm. Raise your standards and not live like a slob. Mm. And so it's me put my arm around my son saying, is this really how you want to live? Is this, you know, this is how you do anything. It's how you do everything. Is this how you want your whole life to look like this room right here? You know? Yeah, that's good. No, I don't think so. Well, then then you should want to do clean. something about you, that. You should want to clean that <laughs> yes. up, you know? And, and so it's this, I think it, that's why I mean by sitting on the same side of the table, I'm not trying to hammer something down your throat. I'm just trying to, I guess, come together, you yeah, know, in 100%. a way. So what you're saying, what I believe you're saying is, you know, first of all, it's the, the key factor, and that is figuring out what motivates somebody. What do they need, right? And and what is best for them? And if you know that and you provide that for them, you know, we, we talk about this a lot with, with Holy Hill Media, you know, it's, it's really about being a solution for somebody and being a part of their evolution. And if they know that we care about their success, even when it means we don't get paid, then we're creating a longevity of relationship. And I think there's something to be said about that in sales. And so I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's interesting too, because now you're kind of breaching the conversational culture. And how can we create a culture that says better? You know, a buddy of mine, uh, Alex Moss, often says the two words, battle mediocrity. And if every day we come in and we battle mediocrity, that's going to speak to everything. The reason we want to battle mediocrity is because at the end of the day, we don't want to say we're mediocre. Right. And so if we can create a culture of, hey, we want excellence in our home, then all of a sudden it breeds an excitement and intentionality to go clean your room, to keep things in order, to work hard and things of that nature. And so what do you think that that is part of the reason why small businesses fail so often? I think, again, a lot, a lot of it's lack of, of education on what's what's coming. Okay. You know, again, they're, they're not prepared for it. I, I, I think a lot of it, too, is because depending on, on who they're following and, and who, they're, who their mentors are, you know, if they're following the, the 17-year-olds with the Jets and the Lamborghinis and that, and they think, okay, well, I made a few bucks. I'm going to go out and buy all this stuff. Or, or maybe I'm starting a lawn care business, so I need a brand-new Duramax diesel, you know, an $80,000 truck, and I need brand-new mowers, and I need, you know, and now they've spent – you know, they're, they're maxed out on debt and the first downturn comes, you know, and, and so I think a lot of it is how, you know, when I started my businesses, you know, I started my pool business, I had a 93 truck, you know, I mean, I mean it was bare and uh, I was leasing equipment, so I didn't have the payments. I started out basically with a thousand dollars to buy a laser so I could, I could shoot grade with, you know, and then, and then as I, as the money came in, I, I took a small portion and kept reinvesting back. I, you know, I bought the equipment, I bought the trucks, the trailers and, and everything I needed, but I didn't go hog wild to try to, to, to look like something I wasn't. Mm. Hold on right there. Let's stop right there, man. That right there, that's it. You know, what you did was you valued the longevity of the business for whatever reason, a lot of small businesses that are failing from what I've seen is because of a lack of preparation, like you're saying, and a lack of awareness of sustaining 
the, the business. And so when you say immediately I'm putting money away, you're growing from your profit margin. Right. You're taking an opportunity to say, hey, as we are getting paid, the quality of clients will change your quality of equipment. Right. And so the more clients that are coming in, the higher they're paying. Well, then the better equipment you can afford, the better equipment you should afford to provide quality service for your your clients. And but but you don't have to start with, you know, the, the, the you know, sixty thousand dollar truck right away. And it's interesting that people think that that's what you should do. And I don't even think that's a new thing. I think that's probably been, you know, been around as long as business has been around. But a lot of people do believe you have to start this place to be at that place. And the truth be told is like, what is the most sustainable place that you can start right now? And then from that, growing from your profit margin, do you believe, and, and sorry to interrupt you, no, but no, no. Do, you believe, do you believe that it's, it really does come down to a financial situation of why most small businesses fail? I think that's one facet no of it. Okay. Yeah, I, I think they, they overspend too quickly, personally. And then, like I said, the, the first time the money doesn't come in, they can't make the payments, and, and then the house of cards folds. You know, I think the other part is is that people get into it, and you made the post the other day, and I thought it was was pretty accurate. I don't want to work nine to five, so I started my own business. You know, <laughs> I don't think that they're aware of the amount of work it takes. Yeah. And then they get into it, and they said, "This isn't this isn't worth it." Yeah. Because now they're working a ton of hours and the pay is not there. Yeah. And so, and then their mind goes back to, okay, if I break this down hourly, I'm making like $3 an hour. I'm going to go back to where I was making 18. Yeah. And, and so uh, not, they don't see it through to where th those hours pay off, you know, five, 10 years down the road. They don't have, they don't have that tenacity to, to see it through, to stick it out. And they start doing the, the hourly game of, well, I just worked 60 hours and I only made X amount of dollars. So what's that equate to? Yeah, this isn't worth it. And then they leave, you know, this was a joke. This isn't, you know, yeah. Um, and no, so I think that's a big part of it. They don't, they, they go into it with expectations of, well, I can make, I can work this little hours and make all this money. Yeah. I, I quit punching a time card in 2011. All right. That's the last time I ever punched a time card. And I don't calculate hours. I can't tell you. My wife might be able to tell you how many hours I work, but I don't know how many hours I work, you know? And it changes. I mean, I have busy season, you know. But I, again, I don't look at hours. I look at what needs to happen, what needs to get done, and when does it need to be done by. And then I put my head down and go to get it done. Yeah. And, and so that's all I know at this point. Yeah. And I think you've got to get past the hourly game if you're going to be an entrepreneur. You're not an employee anymore. You have to leave that at the door and adopt a new mindset yeah. of what needs done, what you know, how do I be productive today and chase that? You know, it's interesting. First of all, note to all young entrepreneurs or young in business entrepreneurs, don't count the hours because it's going to be very disappointing for you. <laughs> for, Especially for a long front. time. Yes, 100%. Yeah, but at some point, again, if you can wait that out and see that through, one day you'll wake up and say, I made how much yesterday for those few hours? Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. But but you got you to gotta wait that out, you know? Yeah. You gotta we're, we're, we're so used to counting our hours because we're paid by the hour or there's a salary that's equated to 40-hour work week. And ultimately, with business, it's not like that. Business is not a time exchange. What business is, is building a machine. And it, sometimes it takes longer to build a machine, but the machine is what makes you money. Absolutely. It's the system that makes you money, not your time. Right. And so when people are always asking, well, you know, like, what do you charge per hour? Like nine times out of 10, we don't charge per hour. We charge per project because if I get good at something and I can do it in less time, why would I charge less? Right. 
What about yeah. my experience and all, all the time and effort and money I put into me being able to do this in half the time I used to be able to do it? Right. You know, there, there's that analogy, you didn't pay me for the hour it took me to change your toilet. You paid me for the 20 years that it allowed me to do that in an hour. Mm, that's good right there. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, like the reason I can do that job in an hour is because of my 20 years. That's You're paying me to, to have that toilet installed, you know. Yes, 100%. And the cool thing, I think the cool thing about that is it, you cannot trade, you can't trade experience for any sort of, in my opinion, degree, certification, anything. If you have the experience, I, I, I tell my guys all the time, you know, if, you know, if we're looking for, currently we're looking for a salesperson, uh, I don't need a degree in business. I don't need anybody to come in with a degree in digital marketing. I don't, I don't really care. Do you have the experience? Mm -hmm. Because experience is the proof to the territory and that's going to speak louder 11 times out of 10 in in my opinion right so yeah do you have something on that no i i mean and that's that's the beauty of sales is you don't need a four-year degree to you know sales is the highest paid profession in the world come on now. you know and, and so and you don't need a degree for it is what, what kills me yeah and and so you can jump online and pick up some courses and, and learn sales and, and persuasion for a hundred dollars out of your pocket yeah and, and make a fortune doing it hundred you know, and, and again, I think it's one of the most important skills you can own. Yes. And there's so many people on YouTube, free content, short videos, podcasts while you're driving that talk about not just the the tactics like you explained earlier of closing and things like that, that we are, are a bit outdated at this point, but they're, they're establishing the psychology of sales. And I think that is the biggest conversation that honestly, like I think that's for business owners, I believe that's probably the most pro profitable industry is educating the psychology of sales for a team. A lot of people are outsourcing their, sa their sales. I get probably 10 messages on LinkedIn a day saying, hey, we'll take over your sales. We'll give you X amount of leads for this amount of money. And to be honest with you, the leads, those are easy to get. It's the closing that people struggle with. And so it is. it really does come down to understanding what you're doing. And to be honest with you, confidence. Because if you're not confident in yourself or what you're selling, people are gonna feel that right off the bat. Right. You're going to sniff that out. Well, and, and the old adage is true that no one, everybody wants to buy, but no one wants to be sold. <laughs> that's good. You, you know, and, and you do, we have a, we have an economy that that's, you know, for, for a while now has been booming. And so people want to buy, Yeah. but they don't want to be sold something. They want to be helped through the buying process. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's where those, that psychology and those skills come in to, to be able to make that connection happen. Yeah, that's good, man. You know, we, we pivoted from, I say salesperson, but we pivoted from a title of sales to customer experience professional or uh, customer experience associate, something like that. We're working on that third letter, the CX something. But the, the, the reason for the customer experience title is because it really is about the journey and being able to be a trusted ally in that process. We even changed, uh, we didn't change, I always say that, but we added another line to our mission statement and more or less we're, we're a friendly neighborhood marketing agency and we're an asset to the evolution of your business. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately we're positioning ourselves to be a long-term partner to help you grow. And when you win, I win, when I win, you win. And so I think that when you can create a relationship up front, and so much of that has to do with rapport, mm -hmm. and some people just don't click, that's where you win in sales. And it's so interesting that you talk about the tactics earlier because 
back in the day. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I believe from the 70s all the way to early 90s is when the stigma around a salesperson actually came, right? Sure. You know, and I, I, the car salesman, you know what I'm saying? Or on and on and on. But nowadays, it really does come down to how well can somebody relate to most people? Mm-hmm. How well can I get you to be engaged in a conversation with me? Do I care? Am I empathetic? And so a lot of people who are hiring for sales now are taking these EQ tests, these emotional intelligence assessments to be able to see how they do with people. And that is what gets them the job, not the IQ, but the EQ, the emotional understanding. And, and I think it, it, a lot of it goes back to the business owner and the culture too. If you've got the best business for social media marketing in town and, and you're, you're out, meaning, uh, you know, people know who you are and yeah. they know you're the go-to, is it sales? I, I, you know what I'm saying? They're coming yeah. to you. They, they need the service. You are, you've got it, and, I, and I'm the, the, the guy. Yeah. And so for me and my businesses, I've tried to be the guy. Yeah. So I, I'm not, I don't have to sell anybody. They, mm-hmm. they, they want this pool, and I show up, and, and I'm the guy. That's good. Okay, you know, and everyone says, go to Brent, go to Splash Construction, go to Splash Construction. There's no sales involved. It's, yeah. it's order taking at yes. that point. You oh, know? that's good. And, Ooh, and, and come so on now. How good of a salesperson do you need if you've built the right business? That's good. Oh my goodness, that is good. And and honestly, what you're really speaking to is the marketing conversation. How are you creating an awareness in the community around you about who you are and what you do, especially in relevance to competition or a lack thereof? Yeah. All you have to, you know, to me, marketing and advertising and, and, and awareness comes to, are you in front of your potential customer? Yep. And so you have to figure out who that potential customer is, and then how do I get in front of them? Yes. Where's their attention? Yeah. Yeah. If I know they're all driving down this road, I'm going to put a sign up on this road. I mean, mm-hmm. it's that simple, yep. you know? I don't think it's one avenue. Uh, I, I think it's multiple. If, if you're new and you need to get your name out, then you need, you better be on every placemat in every restaurant. You need to be in, you know, in the parades, at the festivals. Like er, you need to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. Obviously, everyone's on social media now, so social media marketing is huge. And I think that that's a great place to start. But you know, to, to funnel a lot of money towards or whatever. But but again, being the the organically growing your company to be the the person yeah. is a big part of it. You know, I, I believe in hiring when it comes to advertising and, and marketing, to be honest with you. Uh, if, if you know your customer's driving down 24 every morning and, and you say, okay, I'm going to put a billboard up there because I know my customer's going to work every morning and I sell whatever, you wouldn't just go to Lowe's and buy a, can, a couple cans of spray paint and go spray paint a billboard. <laughs> you know on. what I'm saying? Like yeah. you're, you're going to hire it, it. And let's just say you're a plumber, and, you know, you're going to hire somebody to make you, you know, to lay out the, the sign so it's easy to read and, and that type of thing. And, and, you know, you're not going to go right on their John's plumbing service or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And so it's the same thing with social media. Not to mention, while you're out there painting that sign, you should be plumbing because that's what you get paid to do. Come that's, on that, now. that's your expertise. And so to me, it's the same thing with social media marketing. You know, hire you hire somebody who knows what they're doing to lay it out properly and, and while you go make your money in your business. That's so I, good. I mean, I can throw a few ads on Facebook, but it's not going anywhere, and I know that. I don't know how to what to click and what how to boost it and, and, and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm going to leave that to you while I go make my money doing what I do. That's you know? so good. And that, and and I can't do what you do. And then and vice versa, you can't do what I do. The, right. the, the whole thing that I and I I want to see if you can speak to this, but I realized that 
there is this threshold of businesses who are doing above 500,000 to maybe like 10 million where they stop trading their time for money and they start trading their money for money. Right. And, you know, we can go, this is really, it could really go down the rabbit hole of real estate really quick because so many of the real estate guys are talking about money to money, like Robert Kiyosaki, Grant Cardone, all of these guys that we talk about when we're, you know, at Clubhouse and they, but the conversation then becomes, why am I trading my time for money? Well, typically, if you're trading your time for money, it's because you're either one, you don't have enough of the resource to invest to make more money, or you're holding too tightly to it. Both things are a problem. Correct. Yeah, I, I agree. You have to utilize what they, you know, what I've heard them uh, say is OPT and OPM, other people's time, other people's money. That's if you want to scale, you, you can, uh, you can, stay stay stagnant if you will or you know at a certain level using your own time your own money but but if you really want to grow you're gonna you're gonna run out of one of those two resources so yeah you you have to uh be able to utilize both of those to grow i believe yeah and uh and then invest that properly yeah you know there's a lot of conversations right now um, just in the digital marketing world that we see built around scaling 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 um, I, I think it's a volume game, and obviously it's it's really about making more money. I think that's why it's such a big conversation. But when it comes to small businesses, it's not the same method as we're always seeing online that the big businesses doing 10 million plus are doing. You know, it does take different different strokes for different folks, really, right? Different area of business. And so what do you think right now, like, and again, this is going to be speaking to your business or generally speaking, what does it take to scale? Because what you just said, and... I want to make sure I get this right. I've heard of OP, OPM, other people's money, other people's time, other people's money. And you're saying that's what it takes to scale because at the end of the day, you're limited by your own time. You're limited by your own resources. I got to figure out a way to get this business to the next level without necessarily working more hours, right? There's a cap there. What is that transition like from, because that's where you're at right now. Right. What is that transition like? I think for me, if you're looking at scaling or growing your business, it's, uh, I like to simplify things that, you know, I think we can get too complex with stuff. Uh, it, it's, it's, where's the bottleneck, mm. you know? And for me, it's one of two places. It's either in sales or it's in fulfillment. And so you either have a sales problem or you have a fulfillment problem. And, and you and I have talked about this before. Yeah. You, you can't not have a problem in one of those areas. If you are, you're not, you know, you're, you're missing. If you boil it down, you're either your sales or, or, you know, marketing, advertising, business coming in the front door is outpacing what you can fulfill. All right. That's one, that's one problem. Yeah. Or no, we have the staff and we have the team and the processes to fulfill. We don't have enough business coming in the front door or, or we, you know, it, it, it's one of the two, there's a bottleneck yeah. in one of the two areas. And so for me, it's just finding that bottleneck and then solving that problem. Yeah. You know, uh, when COVID hit, for me, the pool business took off. I couldn't fulfill. I was losing, you know, yeah. and so I don't need any more sales. I don't need any more marketing. I need to work on my fulfillment. Yeah. Building crews, building systems, building teams, you know, um, more equipment, all that stuff. That was my focus. Now, there might come a day where, okay, now I have X amount of teams and crews in place. Uh, we could use some more pools to build. Now I, I shift and I, 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 you know, that I, my bottleneck is there, you know? And so to me, if you boil it down to, to one of those two, it's easier to focus on. And, and you're, you know, there's no reason to spend any money on advertisement. If I can't take care of the customers that are knocking on my front door at, yes. at this point, why would I spend that money there? I need to buy more equipment or, or pay my 
crew, you know, hire more right. crew, you know. Yeah, you know, you. I think when we had this conversation, I told you I didn't have a problem either the first time, and you're like, that's impossible. <laughs> and I was like, what? But you're exactly right because what it what it comes down to is if 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 you're okay in both areas as far as sales goes or fulfillment goes, then you're not growing. That's that's the solution. You might think you're okay, but that's fine. But you just plateaued. Right. And that's honestly when we first had that conversation, that's kind of where we were at. It was like. You know, we are getting a consistent amount of sales and we're staying consistently busy. Do we have more capacity? Yes. But do we need more sales? Yes. And so if we have more capacity, then that means the sales is the problem, right? And and when we say problem, like you said, let's keep it simple. Is it necessarily a, a problem? Is it detrimental to the business? Not currently, but it's detrimental to our growth. And that is so important. So in the conversation of scaling, I think, you you know, you just hit the nail on the head. When you consider scaling, it is either about capacity and production of your product or service and or sales. And so how can you do that more and more without injecting more and more resources to acquire more and more of those? And that, is, that ends up being the, the efficiency game. That ends up being trial and error. That ends up being the, 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 the books, the networking groups and things like that to figure out how people are doing it, who've been doing it for a while to be able to get their dollar down to produce X product or X service. So on that note, referring to the networking groups, what I've realized is all of the networking groups that I've been to and the one that you just involved me in, um, pulled me in, uh, was it last week or two weeks ago? I think it was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. All of the networking groups I've ever been in have all been people who are like 45 and up. And it was always interesting to me because I'm like, don't they know the most? Why are, why are there not more young folks who are just like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing out here? Because I know there's young business owners. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that they're not interested in it. So I guess that said, I'm curious, why do you think there's always older experienced folks in these networking groups and not so much the younger people who could be learning from the older groups? I think ar arrogance is a big part of it. Oh, okay. Go there. I, Go there. I, I think uh, when you hit a certain point, you start to realize I'm not the smartest guy in the room, so I need to get in a room full of smarter people. Yeah. You know, when you're young, you're like, I got this figured out. I got this. You know, <laughs> I don't what, have a problem with yeah, sales and yeah, capacity. <laughs> watch, watch me go. Watch me go. You know, and, and so as you grow, you know, you, you start to you start to learn what you don't know, and uh, you know the importance of um, of your network. And, and for me anyways, I'm like, I need to get around smarter people, you know? And, and so that's, that's why I think, you know, I, I think it has to do with young arrogance in a way. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. That's my, I think there's something to be said about that. And I do think there's something to be said too about in my experience in business now, like a freelance for a couple of years, Holy Hill has been, in, um, you know, we're in our fourth year now. And so as time goes, we're still young. Like I'm not naive to that. And that's why I'm like, that's why I enjoy surrounding myself with people who are also hungry for knowledge and growth and who've been there before I've been there. Um, but I also think too, that there, there is something to be said about as time goes on, the more I realize that I don't know as much as I thought I know. Uh, same with my marriage, same with my relationship with my friends, same with my, I mean, it's on and on and on, right? It's this hyper unrealistic, um, you know, confidence for no good reason that, pushes you forward. And a lot of that arrogance, though, I will say, if we're, if we're going to use the term arrogance, a lot of that confidence or even unearned confidence has also helped in a lot of ways because 
you proceed forward like ignorance is bliss. I can figure this out. I can do this. And that gets you so far. But there comes a point, and I think really your opinion and my opinion merge here. There comes a point when, in a, and again, I'm young in business, but I, I believe I'm at this point too, you, your confidence is only going to get you so far. And then eventually you need wisdom and wisdom is borrowed experience. How do you borrow experience by getting around somebody who has the experience, but also adding value enough to them for it to make sense for them to add value to you. And so getting to that place and realizing like, yo, I don't know what I'm doing here. I actually need wisdom. And, you know, and that's why I'm constantly picking your brain in, 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 you know, in multiple different areas, because it does come to a point where, one, the conversations are just flowing naturally. And also, I'm like, oh, yeah, I have this that I need to ask somebody. I have this problem, you know. And I, I think it just comes down to, like, the confidence that there's an era of business that I think everybody has to have an ego to start a business. I truly do believe that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But as that fades on and the problems become bigger or more complex, you need the wisdom to be able to crack that code. Does that make sense? Does that resonate? Yeah, yeah. That the. Uh like you said, you need that confidence, arrogance, or whatever. Maybe maybe arrogance isn't the word at this point, but but you need some sort of, of confidence to take that leap. Mm-hmm. But but that but then, like you said, there reaches a point where okay, I know the basics now. I, I'm, I've got my foot in the door. Now, how do I grow this? Thing? Yes. you know. Now I can stay here and I can just keep doing this. Or but if I really want to grow, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get smarter, you yeah. know. I'm gonna have to get around some people who have done it, or I mean, I, I could learn it the hard way. I could bang my head against the wall a hundred times, or I could turn around and walk through that door and ask somebody who's done it fifty times, and, you know, and, yeah. and and save myself the years and the aggravation of it. So, that, I mean, there's multiple ways to to do it. I just I prefer to go in the front door of the barn instead of running around it five <laughs> times, you know. Like, and, and so that once you and maybe that's where that that older generation, or you know, as you get older, uh, you start to realize I. I could just walk in here and ask this guy how to do this, yeah. or I could try to figure it out myself for days and days. You yeah. know, and I think that's, and that's what I think. You know, a, a big part of why your business has taken off and you've had so much success is because you're constantly inquisitive. You're, you're constantly asking questions. You're seeking. You know, you've learned what that forty-five-year-old. You've learned it at a younger age, and, and it's, I think you're going to see. And I, I told that, I told man. you that you're going to yeah. see huge results from that because you've learned learned it early. I appreciate that, man. And sometimes I'm worried I'm going to annoy you or whoever <laughs> else I'm asking so many questions. They probably fire off a hundred per time we hang out. But I, I think, you know, if you're hanging around the right people, most people want to, want to help who, yeah. do, who doesn't want to help somebody. And if you're hanging around somebody who doesn't want to help, then you're, you're not hanging around the right people. That's true. And you yeah. love it too. You know what I mean? And yeah. That's the good feeling about it because it's synergetic. And, and, yeah. And, and, you know, most people, they, they want to help those behind them. And, and, and just because somebody helped them, you know, somebody's helped me. I had a mentor who has helped me along the journey. And so why would I not want to, you know, and, and not to mention, I, I enjoy the conversations, yeah. you know, it gets you thinking it, it, it pulls you out of your own perspective and, and, get, and gives you some other, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate those words. I appreciate the willingness, man. It's always a good time hanging out with you. This conversation has been super insightful, even for me. So I appreciate your time today. I want to ask one final question in closing and then let you kind of plug whatever business, you know, promotion you want to plug. But what advice would you give to the young entrepreneurs that we spoke so heavily about today in this conversation? And I, and I want to also rephrase that, not just young entrepreneurs, but young and business entrepreneurs, new business owner, 50 years old, 60 plus, you're starting a business for the first time, or there's been a long gap. 
what kind of advice do you have for somebody early in business to be able to lay a foundation that's not only healthy, but growable? Mm -hmm. I have a lot of high school and college kids that work for me and uh, I enjoy it because, you know, you kind of get to work with them a little bit. You know, maybe I have a lot of them that come to me from maybe a checkered past or, uh, you know, bad family upbringing. And so I, I enjoy, you know, just show them a different route, you know, that this is an opportunity or an option for you, you know, and that type of thing. And so I, I, I get this question a lot with them, you know, where do we start? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm 18 or whatever. I think, you know, and I tell them there's three things I would do. I would recommend starting with learn skills. Mm. Anytime anybody's wanting to show you anything, stick your head in the room and learn it. You know, if it's your aunt wants to show you how to make cookies, go learn how to make cookies. You know, you need the oil change in your car, learn how to change the oil. You, uh, your uncle Larry's roofing the house, go help him roof a house. That's going to show you some areas of some things that I kind of enjoy doing that. You know, I, I poured concrete and helped my dad poured concrete and I learned how to pour concrete. And I enjoyed it. So I'm like, this, this is something I could learn how to do, you know, yeah. and, and started learning there's money in it. And so, so learn skills, learn it. And again, it's going to, it's going to unearth what, what your passion is. Plus it, stick a skill in your pocket. You never yeah. know. I knew how to build above ground pools from a previous job that then come around to a business that that's doing pretty well for me Yeah, because I, I, I learned how to build an above ground pool, you know, like it's not right. rocket science. I just learned how to do it. So yeah. anytime someone's doing something, you know, go help them learn how to do it, learn skills. The other thing is study personal development. Mm. I don't think enough. It's not taught. And, and again, the, the wheels already created. Don't try to recreate it. Follow guys like, Ed Milet, Andy Priscilla, Robert Kiyosaki. You don't have to take the hard way through life. You just have to learn. It. The successful people that have the same 24 hours as you do in a day, they just spend it differently. And, and, and even less than that, everyone sleeps. So let's just say that, that they have the same, you know, they take eight hours out for sleep. And, and so now they've got 16 hours the same as you do. They just spend it differently. And so learn what they do. What, what, their, what does their morning routine look like? What, what do they eat for breakfast? What time they get up? What time they go to bed? What do they do at the end of the day? Learn all that stuff and, and, and just buy into it and do it. That's good. I, I mean, I, I a lot of guys, you know, I never understood. Why do you, why should I write down my goals morning and night? It seems redundant. Yeah. And I wrote them down <laughs> and I wrote them down and I'm like, why am I doing this? This is so, Nothing's coming out of this. You know, I'm writing down the same goals. Nothing's coming out of this. All of a sudden, one day, that financial goal you wrote down, you just hit last year. And you're like, holy cow. It does make sense. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to bump it up. And you hit it again, you know? Yeah. And so trust in it, studies, personal development. And now with the resources, now jump on YouTube. And, and once you start down that rabbit hole, you, you're, you'll find plenty of content. YouTube University, <laughs> man. Yeah. Yeah. Audio books when you're driving. You're, you're wasting, you know, start looking at your day on where am I wasting time. If you're watching a ball game that won't do anything for you versus watching a pot, you know, listening to a podcast or watching a a video or, or an audio book, you know, while you're driving, are, are you driving a half hour to school every day or, you know, to college or to, to a job? That's an hour a day that you could be learning something yeah. through an audio book or, you know, yeah. am I scrolling Facebook for an hour when I could be spending that hour? No, nobody's doing it. They're all scrolling Facebook and watching uh, football <laughs> and, and, and chasing their fantasy teams and, and they're rooting for someone else to live their best life instead of them spending that time to live theirs. You know? Ouch. And then they wake up one day and they're like, why, why does my life suck? Well, cause you were rooting for that ball player or that singer or, you know, those people on TikTok. But what'd you do for yourself? You didn't do anything for yourself. Yeah. No one's going to come and hand you success. You're going to have to go chase it. You know, say that. Hold on. Hold on. Let's <laughs> double click there really quick. 
Say that again, man. You said something earlier today that nobody's coming to save you in a conversation that we were having. Let's just pause there for a second before I think that you hit the third, your third point because that is so important. This waiting game, yeah. you're killing time that you don't have. It is a finite resource. Waiting is only procrast. It's an emotional fault flaw. It's right. an emotional flaw. It's lack of discipline. Yeah. Okay. Come on now. There it is. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, if you're if you're gonna sit there for hours watching TV or social media, it's because you don't have the discipline to put it down and go. You know what you should do. Yeah. You know, obese people know what they should do to get skinny. Yeah. Poor people know what they should do to get rich. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But they don't. It's lack of discipline. And so acquire that discipline early. Learn that discipline early. If you're 18 to 21, or I don't actually whatever age you are. You had the most energy you're ever going to have right now. Ooh. It's not going to get any better. And so why are you wasting that time at 18, 20, 30, 40, 50? I don't care if you're 60, it's your energy is only going to get less. And That's so good. so you, you know, take advantage of that while you're young. Even if you're I don't care if you're 75 years old, take advantage of that while you're young. And a statistic that I had read uh, last month to affirm what you're saying I realized that, did a little bit of research, I realized that the high end of the average IQ is about like 116. Well, the average millionaire's IQ is between 116 and like 123 or something like that. They're not statistic, millionaires aren't statistically just far more intelligent. No. They're more disciplined. Yeah. They are more disciplined. And also another statistic match with that is they're less emotional, emotionally driven and more goal-driven, more practically driven. And I think that's what speaks to discipline is this, the bubble in the packaging of discipline ends up being consideration and reconsidering my goals and reconsidering my goals and reconsidering my goals, being lazy and, and, and having doubt and all these other things. Whereas these successful folks, they're just getting up. They're not thinking about it. They're not processing whether or not their goal matters to them anymore. They decided that in the beginning of the year or five years ago what they wanted to accomplish. And at this point, this is just part of the process. Mm -hmm. There's no, There really isn't any emotion to be had or consideration to be had. The goal is the goal. Right. It's solidified. Well, and if you watch, if you look around in your day-to-day, -day, you'll realize that most people are not intentional about their life. They're, they... They just react, whatever. You know, they wake up in the morning, no, no real goal. I might have to go to work today. I'm just gonna wander, you know, muddle, muddle through my day here. Come home, and then it's just whatever. Why is that? I, I, I uh, is it I the monotony of the day that I don't, it's just I don't, easy? I, I, comfortable. I think it's lazy. Yeah, okay. I think people, people, it's comfortable. Okay. You know, it's painful to step outside that comfort zone. I think that's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. But the best thing I, I, I can advise is go to go to the store and buy yourself a pack of index cards. Okay, mm -hmm. and. and Start to make lists. What am I? What do I need to accomplish tomorrow to be productive? What, what do I? What do I want to do? Where you know, write down your list of goals on one. And, and I live by list because if I get up in the morning and I don't have a, a set plan for the day, I I, I wander aimless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my wife makes fun of me all the time. She's like, "You're just wandering." I'm like, "I don't have a list. <laughs> you know, you're not doing yeah. anything." I'm like, I'm, "I'm just back and forth. I, I don't know what to do with myself." You know. And so, but if but if I've sat down the night before and I made a, make a list, okay, I'm gonna get up at five o'clock and by six I'll, I'll have a, a video going. I, I got this from this time to this time, and now I day now I'm productive. And now and, and and you you show me someone who watches a sports you know all evening long or all day Saturday and Sunday, and, and I'll and I'll I'll work circles around you with a list of things to do. You know what I'm saying? And, and then five years from now, when you compound that. Don't be surprised if I'm 
farther along financially or whatever that you know <laughs> i mean yes. it's the truth and yes. it's maybe not maybe not sexy but i think it's the truth no you're exactly right man there's two things with that first of all jocko willick the the the, the navy seal oh, i love jocko his uh i haven't read his books yet but i know that i think your brother was saying that he's read one of his books and Apparently, he's a great author as well. But he says that discipline equals freedom. And you have to figure out what freedom is for you. Yeah. Is it emotional? Is it financial? Is it physical freedom? What is it for you? Right. And then are your goals aligned to the trajectory of your, your, your goal? Rob Deerdeck says this. Envision where you want to be, the, the place in life that you want to be at where you are. You don't have anxiety about you know the, the next bill or, or what you're eating or the people you're around yourself. Imagine a life where, where, where the, the, the most important areas of your life don't breed anxiety. They breed peace and fulfillment. And then reverse engineer that life. What do I need to do to get there? That gives you a plan, but you can't have, but, and I said this, I think in the last podcast or the one before that, you cannot have a path without a current location and a destination in mind because then there's no path, right? But another thing that you said earlier that I think is so vital in the conversation of discipline is being uncomfortable. Dude, you invited me, (laughs) dude, you're something else. You invited me last week to wake up uh, and work out with you every morning at 7 a.m. to do the hike, the workout, and then in the cold, just pretty much run without the shirt to force yourself to be in an uncomfortable position. You're constantly talking about forcing yourself to be in an uncomfortable position early in the day so that everything else becomes easier. What is it about you or what bug did you catch that you force yourself in so many uncomfortable positions, and what's that done for you? I'm a firm believer that nothing exciting happens in the comfort zone you know we all want to live there because it's you know it's a big it's a big soft blanket you know but 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 nothing really exciting happens there you know you're not you're not growing there you're you're just surviving in that comfort zone and so I, i i try to be intentional going back to that intentionality of throwing myself into uncomfortable situation this right here I told yeah, you. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm not used to being recorded. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk for days, as you can tell, but but I'm not used to being recorded. So when you invited me, I said, absolutely, let's do it. And, and it made my stomach hurt. And I told you, when you first sent me that text, <laughs> I said, I'd be a beat of sweat just right <laughs> yeah, on my yeah, neck. Yeah. But let's do it. Uh, just because I, I think once you get callous to, to stepping outside your comfort zone, then it becomes easy. And so then when the challenges, actual real challenges hit you, you're like, no big deal. I, you know, I just... I ran in the freezing cold this morning, no shirt on. Like, what? what that ain't no How big. Hard that, ain't, that ain't a yeah. problem. You yeah. know, yeah. I just went on a podcast with a guy. Like, hit me with your problem. Let's <laughs> yeah. solve. You yeah. know, and, and you you just start. You look at at problems as opportunities, and and so to me, it, you have to force yourself into stuff. You know, just embrace the suck, as I heard one embrace time. Embrace the suck. I like uh, that. You know, and uh, I I just think it changes you as a person personally. I, now. My wife, she's. I don't know why you do that, you know, and stuff like. I, why would why would you put yourself in that pain? Yeah. Because to me, it, it, that's how you grow. But I, I really respect that about you, and I and I can tell you have. And here's the deal: the fruit of that is freedom. A hundred percent. And so, you know, the way I see it is like trade in those comfortable shoes for a pair of wings. It's the difference between trading in your comfort for freedom. And the, the, I think the op, I think the, the the hard side to that, and something I've struggled with in the past, I'm getting better at, um, especially when I surround myself with people who are doing the same thing. I prefer to be free than comfortable. Right. It feels better. Like you think that laying in bed, like ah, let me just sleep in thirty more minutes, one more hour, because it's comfortable, it's warm. I don't want to get up. It's early. It's not even light out yet. 
But the feeling of being productive before anybody's even awake is far better than that bed could offer you. And if you would just get up, you would feel that. And that feeling will drive you to do it the next day. And that feeling will drive you to do it the next day. And eventually it's a habit. And now staying in bed is uncomfortable because you know what you're missing out on. It's trading, it's, it really is trading your comforts, but you have to be willing to look at your fears, your discomforts, your anxieties in the face, and then be able to lay your hands on them and tell them, no, 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 you work for me right. instead. You know what I mean? Well, and I saw a post one time, and maybe you've seen it, where, you know, you pick your hard. Mm-hmm. All right. Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Pick your hard, you know. Uh, work is hard. Being broke is hard. Pick, pick. you know. you, you, you <sighs> That's good. And so, like, it went all the way down through, you know. Um, so, so you just have to decide which hard do you want to, you know. Uh, do I want to go to work today? No, not really, because it's hard. Okay, then sit home and be broke. And when you, you know, when you don't have any money to go do anything, then don't then, complain. Yeah, don't complain. That's the the hard you picked. Yeah. You know, devoting time and effort into my marriage might be. You know, sometimes it's hard to make that time. But divorce sounds pretty hard too. I, I've yeah. been through it, but I've heard. You know, yeah. and, and so you just have to decide what you know. Working out sucks. Being obese would suck. So which one do you want? Yeah, you that's know? good, man. Um, not having any energy would be terrible versus, you know, so you just have to pick which which avenue you want and then have the discipline to, to, to see it through. That is so fundamentally, it's so simple, but it's so profound. I, wanna, I want to, let's just say it, I want to double click on that point, man. Like success isn't on the opposite side of complexity success is on the uh, on the other side of discipline like what you're saying it is simple it's not a complicated it's not a formula it's just doing what you know you need to do and nine times out of ten people know what they need to do they just don't do it they complicate it based on emotion they make a simple problem hard to feel like they can't solve it instead of just saying i don't want to solve it we we joke that that it's simple but it's not easy that's good that's good because you know look look at what, what does dave ramsey teach Spend less, spend less, save, save more, money. cash. Same yeah, thing you've been hearing since you were a little kid. Everybody knows. But yeah, we people spend thousands of dollars for his program. You know what I'm saying? Wow. No, no different than than what what your fitness gurus are teaching or your personal trainer. Eat less, work out more. It's simple. It's not easy though. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy to get up at five o'clock to go work out. You know. Hundred percent, man. I I had uh, I heard recently that keto is centuries old. Well, I yeah, was like, wait, what? It wasn't the book that came out in 2012 or whatever. No, it was Atkins before that. <laughs> yeah. They just renamed it because stuff, people stopped buying Atkins book. Wow. You know, eat less carbs and eat less sugar. And so same method, different package. That's all it is, you know, in my opinion. I, I'm no doctor. but Well, I think there's also something to be said about, you know, we're, we're having all these conversations about successful people, and we're not. Ju- it's not just about the financial freedom, right? It's you have the ability, I, you know, we both at this point have the ability to, hey, if, I, if, if uh, somebody's sick in my family and live out of state, I can leave today and my businesses will, my, the businesses will still be going thoroughly without, without me being here. There's freedom of time as well. And, and, I, and I say that to preface this next point. Another thing that I've been realizing and kind of studying, and you, you mentioned being interested in this topic too and studying it a little bit too, but the difference between millionaires and billionaires. And um, I've realized that the average millionaire has about seven streams of income. But the average um, source of wealth for billionaires come from one to two different resources. I'm not saying they don't have multiple revenue streams, but the majority of their revenue is coming from one to two different streams. 
what do you think that is? Man, we were about to wrap up like 20 minutes ago. We opened Pandora's <laughs> box, man. This is good stuff. So we're going to keep going, man. People can tune out at any point. And I, and I, and I do want to get back to your third point as far as you, you said you had three points for um, young entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. But what do you think that is, that difference? Is it efficiency? Well, again, I think it comes down to capacity. Okay. I think you can only handle so much. Uh, you know, you can have 18 different businesses, but if you're only devoting, you know, 2% of your effort towards each of them, you know, it's it's kind of irrelevant at that right. point. Um, I know people who just start LLCs just to start LLCs, and I'm like, you cannot be devoting any time to all 18 of these things. Yeah. Now, if you start one and you build it properly, and again, a lot of this is my opinion, I'm not I'm not to that billionaire point. So I can't, you ain't the I can't, Billy status yet? The I Billy Club? <laughs> not yet. I can't speak on that. But it's just what I've seen is if you start a business and you build it properly and you get it scaling and running on systems to where you're not thus the system, all right? You yeah. have pl things in place and, and it's growing and it's scaling. And now you can step back and, and let it run its, you know, do its thing. And then that's an opportunity then to, to go and, and start something new. That's but good. but to just start something new to start, you know, all you're, you're just you're taking your, your time and energy from one and moving over to another until you get systems and stuff built. It's inefficient. Yeah. It's yeah, clunky. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's going to, you know, when we've had that conversation, uh, you're going to be okay at a lot of things instead of great at one. Yes, you know? exactly. And, and I don't, I think to be, you know, to make the, the, the big dollars, you have to be great at one, you know? Yeah. Right. And, and I just looked it up. The average millionaire spends 60 hours working each week, each week. The average billionaire spends 60 hours working each week. What the heck is the difference? Because I don't think people really gather how much a billion is. It, here, listen. It's not again. It's not about the money. It, it's a that is the fruit of success. Let's let's we could just quantify it. That's why we use it very often, right? But they're working the same amount of time, but they're putting out far more output. Yeah, they they built the machines, you know, and, and again they've got the same sixteen hours of awakeness. As you and I do, theirs just looks different. Yeah. And so going, you know, to, to, to go back to study what they do, what, yeah. what, you know, what time do they wake up? How do they? How does their day look? How do you know? Yeah. What What are they doing in their spare time that 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 I'm not or whatever that yeah. type of thing? And so again, if you want to become that, you just have to mirror that. Got to model that. Yeah. You know, I, I I looked up under the statistic I just read. It also said that young entrepreneurs or big, you know, entrepreneurs just starting out or working somewhere between 70 and 80 hours on average. And I, I do want to say to really just kind of put a disclaimer out there for young business owners or young in business owners, it's okay to work that many hours. And it, it doesn't mean you're failing. Like putting that volume of hours in is probably how these millionaires and billionaires got there. You know what I mean? So that time up front doesn't mean you're failing. And with that too, don't try to smother your early goals with systems and processes and procedures because a lot of it is just really simple. Build a good product or service and then go sell it. Yep. And if we complicate that before we generate revenue, that could really hurt a business. Yeah, I, don't get me wrong. I said I think the systems and all that are important, but you better have money coming through the front door That's first. Right. That's right. You know, and, and then then that allows you to take maybe a slower season to say, okay, now how are we gonna how are we gonna build this? Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, the. the the hours work has nothing to do with how well you're, you know, uh, whether, like you said, whether you're failing. There's been a lot of times I've questioned it. I didn't know success was going to be this difficult. Yeah, you know, good. I've made that comment because, and again, not that we were failing. It's just to, to, to 
to, to grow yeah. and to scale, it, it's a lot of work, you know. Hundred percent. So and I think it's I think it's good stuff. Right. I think it's I think it's it's good for the soul too. The grind, those eighty hour work weeks, man. And I to be honest with you, like right now I'm still averaging like high sixties, low seventies and it doesn't feel like that though. It's just when I count it up from time to time. But it 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 has it it's it's taught me so much. Like there's there's something to be said just about the grind itself. Like if if you created the business and it failed, you still learned something. You you found out what it took. You found out what you're made of. You found out your capacity. You found out all these things. I didn't even consider what emotional capacity was until I was a business owner. I didn't even consider, you know how intentional you have to be with relationships because I had an abundance of time to give prior. There's so many things that you learn from it that, that, that are fruitful that you, nobody wants to talk about aside from, you know, revenue and stuff like that and growing a business. So I think it creates character to be able to work those amount of hours. And then you put it this way too. These millionaires and billionaires, they're trimming down their schedule. They're not adding to their schedule over time. You know what I'm saying? Right. They start big and they sculpt it. They sculpt it to be the statue that stands firm and says, we've done it. They're not doing the 80 hours, unsculpted, clunky, don't know where their time and money's going. It's it's efficiency. Yeah, yeah. They've just built, they, they keep honing that machine and, and you know, adding oil here, fi fixing this yeah. there and, and tuning it in. Okay, now this thing's a, a Swiss watch. Yeah. Now sit back and watch it work. Yes. I'm gonna go to the, I'm gonna go to my yacht, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you keep mentioning that yacht, man. I better get a ride and get that yacht. Some, man. One day soon. You <laughs> Let's know? go. We always my wife and I we used to say someday, someday. And I said, No, it's one day one soon. Day. I like that. We way changed better. it. And and you know, because you'll chase one day soon. If it's yeah. soon, you know, and someday seems like when I'm old, you know. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a fairy tale or something. <laughs> yeah. Someday. Yeah. Somewhere over the rainbow. So I wanna get back to the third point that you had as advice for young entrepreneurs or young and business entrepreneurs. And then I have one more question for you after that. Okay. So yeah, learn skills, study personal development, just become a student of it. I mean, I, I, I can't get enough of it. You know, if I'm bored, it's a, you know, I'll go to sit at my desk and eat my lunch and, and, and I'm watching a video. Any, yeah. any chance I can, I just consume it because, you know, even a bad book, you'll learn something in, yeah. you know? And, and so, so just pour yourself into it. And then the third one is save money. Take a portion of your what I don't care if you're making ten dollars an hour. Take a portion of it. Live on live on eight and put two away, or, or or you know seven and three, because opportunity will come along, and, and opportunity usually requires some sort of capital, and so it may not be a large amount, but it's going to require some. And so, you, what you don't want to be is unprepared for an opportunity, and that's financially too. So start to put a little bit of money away trick yourself, put in an account that you don't have a debit card to, whatever it takes. When my son was, was just starting to work for me, he, he had envelopes and we wrote long-term savings, short-term savings, spending, and giving. And so he had to break his check up in, into those four envelopes. And, and, and it started to teach him how, you know, you're allowed to spend your spending when you go to the store or whatever. Short-term savings are those little, you know, those bigger items you, you're wanting now. And then long-term is a, a card on the road, college, whatever. Yeah. And, and start to trick yourself into that. And, you know, take that check and break it up. You know, he was doing 40, 40, 20, 20. Or no, 40, 40, 10, 10 okay. is how he was breaking them up. You know, long-term, short-term, and then 10% save, uh, spending, 10% giving. Yeah. And so, yeah, start to put money away. So when that opportunity comes knocking or you see that, that business opportunity or, or, you know, you've got a hundred or a thousand or a couple thousand dollars to go buy that lawnmower to start that or whatever it is. So that's what I, I've been telling. Yeah, those are powerful points, man. And I think 
the, the good thing about that and something that you say pretty often is like it never stops like you never stop learning you never stop growing you never you're never not a student of the game right because there's always more to learn and so I, I guess you know my question to you and the follow-up question to that that I wanted to ask you was are these things that you're still taking on head-on today are these still three things that you are diving into and, and helping develop yourself and to achieve your goals today yeah, it, that's funny. You say for a young entrepreneur, but I, I, I'm still doing them as, yeah, yeah. As, as an old, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I still watch videos every morning. You know, I, I I get up early just so I have time to do that. You know, I'm drinking my coffee. I'm watching a video. I'm still putting money away for that opportunity. Yeah, and and still learning skills. I mean, yeah. uh, that every day I'm trying to learn something new. Yeah. Why not? Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, you still have goals. So yeah. there's so then there is room to grow. Yeah. So, so if anybody wanted to reach you for Splash Construction, uh, if they wanted to pool, if they needed insurance or any sort of uh, RF2 retirement fund number two acquisitions <laughs> in real estate, and they wanted to partner with you, whether it's an investor or have a property they wanted to sell, how can they reach you? And anything else that you want to say about the businesses or the podcast? I've got website for the pool business, you know, insurance wise, just supposed to my insurance and investments. I, I work out of the Indiana office. I started that when I first come on board and uh, work over there. And so, you know, we're easy to find. And then, like I said, the, the, the rental real estate, you can give me a call at uh, 419-956-2000. That's how you get a hold of us for that. You got a 2000 number? That's your number? 956-2000? Yeah. I'm 2001. <laughs> Are you really? <laughs> yeah, 956-2000. Um, no, I'll be darned. Yeah, so, uh, you Must know. Must have went in the day before me to get your phone. <laughs> I actually bought that number off somebody. Did you? Yeah. I didn't know you could do that. And then I went to a, a seminar, and they said, find a number, and I, and uh, that's that's easy to... You know, like if I, I can remember on, that, yeah, yeah, put it on a sign or something. And my buddy's son sent me a text one day. I'm like, that's an easy number. And so I said, can I buy that number off you? He's like, huh? I said, yeah, there's a, that's a thing. I bought his number wow. off him. That's cool. Didn't realize that. <laughs> Cause man. I wanted that phone number. And, <laughs> <laughs> so he got the phone before me then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He must have. Gotcha. But, but no, like I said, if, uh, you know, we're, we're always looking to buy and sell. And so at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. Give them a call. That's Splash Construction, Postima Insurance. I said that right. I've been saying Postima my whole life. Sorry. Yeah. And then RF2 Acquisitions. Man, I appreciate your time today. Appreciate your knowledge and wisdom, man. Appreciate your friendship. And I'm Absolutely. sure we'll do this again before long. I appreciate it as well. Absolutely, man. Peace.